Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the current events surrounding Season 3, Part 14, what was in the news, what was on the cover of Time Magazine, dated that week, uh, what was the number one movie in the theaters, and so forth. So let's get right into that now. This episode aired on Sunday, August 13th, 2017. The number one film in the country at this time was Annabelle Creation, which earned $35 million at the box office. When I was glancing over the list of number one films for the summer of 2017, I assumed that War for the Planet of the Apes was the final franchise film on the schedule. Last week's The Dark Tower was planned as a franchise, but it flopped. Well, I should have known better. Annabelle Creation is the story of grieving parents and their demon-possessed doll who terrorizes a nun, played by Stephanie Sigmund, and the orphans she's guarding. A series of Wikipedia portals yanked me back and back through one another, revealing that a sequel is scheduled and that, moreover, this film is actually a prequel to the earlier Annabelle, which is itself a spin-off of the larger Conjuring universe, which could be described as the cinematic expression of the real-world Warrenverse, based around Ed and Lorraine Warren, Catholic paranormal investigators who passed away relatively recently after spending much of the 20th century investigating various hauntings, most famously the case that inspired the Amityville Horror, which has its own film saga to contend with. So, far from being a standalone genre picture, as I initially thought, Annabelle Creation is actually entangled in a web as complicated as any comic book multiverse. As far as the news goes, for the most part, I stick to day of news when looking at the context for each episode, but sometimes the big stories last longer than the single date on which they occur, and they overshadow events for days or even weeks to come. Such is the case with Charlottesville. The Friday before this episode... White supremacists, normie conservatives who could look the other way when confronted with white supremacy, and alt-right clowns, who were just eager to get a rise out of people, all gathered together in Virginia to protest the removal of a Confederate statue. Wearing white polo shirts, carrying tiki torches, and chanting, the Jews will not replace us, while a relative handful of students counter-protested, these people struck an unforgettable image which ultimately did immense damage to the ascendant far right, at least for a little while, especially given the violence of the following day. Huge clashes emerged on Saturday. Cornell West has said that, but for the intervention of Antifa activists, he feared for his life while gathered in front of a church that was being charged by angry right-wingers. This culminated in the death of Heather Hare, when a young man who traveled from the Midwest to participate rammed his car into a crowd and killed her. He was eventually sentenced to life in prison. Donald Trump notoriously responded to the event later that day, an event organized in large part by his very vocal supporters. MAGA hats were ubiquitous, and David Duke was interviewed on the spot, praising Trump as a figurehead for his movement. When asked who was responsible, Trump argued that there was blame on both sides and good people on both sides, forcing him to give another address two days later, in which he more explicitly condemned racism. Although in the interim, uh, the Sunday talk shows were abuzz with reactions. So this is what was going on, really, in the minds of everybody uh, on the day this episode aired. And this would remain one of the signature events of the Trump era. On Time Magazine's cover, they had a non-Trump issue this this week. Obviously, uh, as mentioned, uh, these these issues that I'm discussing are usually for the week that began like five or six days earlier, on top of which uh, they produce these stories way ahead of time. So Charlottesville would 
take a while to get to Time Magazine. But this was for the week of August 7th, 2017. So on this cover, a moody, hazy, faded green, yellow, orange, and red tinted photo of a wave uh, on a shore with a white Time logo practically disappearing into the mist highlights the anti-antidepressant. And the caption notes, depression afflicts 300 million people. One third don't respond to treatment. A surprising new drug may change that. The drug in question is ketamine, the anesthetic with hallucinatory qualities, which is particularly valued for the speed with which it acts, given how many depression treatments may take weeks before they go into effect. The article offers a rundown of statistics about depression, the long history of its experience, and explanations going back to the Greeks, the development of various drugs, I didn't realize that Prozac, which went on the market in 1989, was that recent, and pharmaceutical incentives and disincentives for development. The fact that these deeply life-enhancing, even life-saving treatments can be financially out of reach for most Americans is just taken as a grim given. The article, titled New Hope for Depression, opens with an anecdote about a young man who is just beginning to use ketamine. Reflecting on his condition, he says, I've heard people describe it as sadness, and that's not specific enough. It's like not quite being alive, but still having to go through all the crappy parts of being alive. Ultimately, at the piece's end, he has mixed experiences with the drug. And I should make clear that quote is in reference to depression, not to the treatment. But when he takes this drug, he tastes both euphoria and anxiety at different times. In the years since this article in particular, although it was going on before, there's also been a larger conversation about microdosing, or taking large enough doses to even truly trip on, psychedelics like LSD or psilocybin, returning in many ways to research and treatment that was cut off in the 60s, when the government cracked down on the burgeoning experimentation, both clinical and otherwise. In that sense, this peek into one possible source of relief is potentially opening a much wider door. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can support this work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow's episode is season three, part 14, In the Weeds. We're going to look at character statistics, their rankings, you know, who's in it the most in this episode and so forth, and also the order of events that uh, we we think these... Uh, Stories might take place in kind of simple in this case. Uh, for once, we have, I think, almost everything or everything taking place in a single day after scattering the action over several days in previous episodes. Um, and then in addition, of course, coffee, pie, and donuts. How does that play into this episode? So we'll discuss all of that tomorrow. See you then, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and support this work on patreon.com slash Lost in the movies. Yesterday, I heard, overheard somebody else who was an eyewitness giving an interview to another media outlet who was also at the area where the car first entered that street. And he said he saw that car waiting there for at least a couple minutes, observing the counter protesters, trying to see which way they were going to march. And once he saw they were marching towards him, he stepped on the gas. Lastly, what do you really want to hear from our country's leaders right now? As horrendous as it is, this, this, this woman lost her life, but we need to take this moment and make something positive out of this and have these tough conversations in this country that this country has been unwilling to have. We've tried for years, activists have been trying to have these conversations for years, and we're called violent, just trying to get in the street because that's the only option we have to get our message out there. All right. So maybe now people will listen to what we've been trying to say. All right, John, we want to thank you for your time. I know you're going on very little sleep, still in a state of shock this morning. Our thoughts are with you. Our thoughts are with everyone affected in Charlottesville. Thanks again. Thank you so much.